This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Welcome to On the Block. Austin is not here today. Stricky is here, but I happen to be here as well remotely down here in Kansas City. Got an opportunity to watch my uh, daughter's first game. Um, and, 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 and there's something unique about what's going on down here, uh, Rico. Um, I, I never knew this existed until I witnessed it for the first time today. It, it was it just blew my mind. First and foremost, you pull up, you go to the you go to the uh, convention center. And I didn't know how big the freaking convention center was down here uh, in Kansas City. I mean, it, it, it has to cover at least, um, you know, I, I would have to say four, four city blocks. Uh, that's just how big it is. That is massive. Uh, downtown area is pretty dope. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's got an old style feel to it. But um, we walk in. Don't um, fall in love now. We need you every- back here. There's courts everywhere, bro. You know, I didn't get to see Nate Brennan. I thought I might, you know, bump shoulders and rub elbows with my boy Nate Brennan, uh, old school block uh, uh, t- team member. But I go into this place, Rico, and when I tell you it's flooded with college teams all throughout the, the whole building, like the whole convention center, mm-hmm. it's like courts from zero to up to 50 plus, right? And so she's on court 33, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get bands and blah, 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 just the whole thing. And we get in there and there's teams from Grand Canyon. Nebraska's even out here. Um, I saw, uh, you know, Arizona, Florida, um, uh, U.S. Um, uh, University of California, uh, San Luis Obispo, uh, Santa Barbara. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's a button and it's men's and women's. So what this is, Rico, is, you know, you have the top tier. You have, you know, the Arizona volleyball team. You have the Nebraska volleyball team. Mm-hmm. It's a level It's a level above intramurals. You know, in intramurals, you just kind of go out there. You know, you're really just playing for fun. Yeah. This is really competitive. It's just really a lot of the girls that just could not ascend or make the big the big team. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're playing. It's, it's, it's huge. I mean, I couldn't believe how big it was. So it's, it's like – Almost, almost Division One level intramurals. You're yes, at a Division One school or, or whatever, and, and you're playing intramurals, but it's like extremely competitive. It's not just the people that are like, "Hey, I used to be semi-athletic in high school. Let me do this yep. sport." It's people that are actually, you know, love the sport, did the sport, and want to continue doing it, but they just can't do it at that high of a level. At that level, and that's what it is. And this is their national tournament, so. Um... Uh, she got off to a good start. My, my daughter's a libero. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she plays in the back row the whole time and, and yeah, she was digging some stuff out of there. So I was proud to, you know, proud Papa to <laughs> proud see pa- the baby getting, uh, getting busy. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining on the block today. We appreciate you guys all for logging in as well, being on the stream. Uh, also uh, now we have television that you can also find us there as well as the, the, the local route 
continuously on the radio. We appreciate you. And we thank you for the support of Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul, who is our sponsor for this uh, segment of On the Block 2 to 4. Each and every day, you can find us right here today. It is me and Rico. Normally, it is me and Austin. But today, we're going to start off by talking a little bit, uh, Rico. I, you know, uh, there's been a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, discussion about what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. A lot of people mm-hmm. are trying to figure out what the move is. Uh, there's there's some dissension among the ranks. He's a little bit of upset. He's a little bit upset, and you, you know he he's got to be because he didn't nec- uh, he didn't get the high tenure of of um, getting the um, uh, what do they call it when they the max Rico, when they no no when they um um they they give him the um gosh darn it in football they get that for one player what is it what. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're, no, for one player, yeah. each player that they don't sign to a long-term contract, yeah. they give them franchise tag. What, they're, they're, franchise tag. There Gosh, go. dang it. So it's the, it's the lesser of the top tier of the, the non-ten- tag. They gave him the non-tender. They, the non-tender franchise tag. A little less money. Uh, he hasn't been able to get a deal done. But one thing that they actually did is they actually signed Odell Beckham Jr. Um Odell finally has come out and stated that in the signing of uh, in his signing that he did not in any form or fashion do it with knowledge of uh, Lamar Jackson actually being their quarterback. Lamar Jackson requested a trade back in March, uh, March 2nd. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is this is five days before he was given a non-exclusive franchise tag. There it is. Non-exclusive franchise tag uh, because he wanted some guaranteed money. So now my question to you, Rico, and to everybody that's listening, uh, what does this do? Because is is it cap? Is it something that is, you know, is it just kind of throwing it out there kind of to minimize the situation, not make it so, you know, such a major issue amongst mm-hmm. uh, uh, the ranks of the of the Ravens? Or is it that he's just trying to massage this whole situation and not put him on front street so that the decision that uh, Lamar decides to make is, is his own? Now, to me, this reads as – as cap because there's no way to me that Lamar or that Odell Beckham is going to Baltimore without a guarantee that Lamar Jackson is going to be his quarterback because who else I don't think Odell Beckham is going to take a chance on a one-year deal to catch passes from Tyler Huntley I don't think he's taking a a, a one-year deal to prove it and to get bigger money if Baltimore is telling him hey we're going to sign somebody random uh from free agency or draft a quarterback and that's who you're going to be catching passes from no he went there to play with the former MVP and Lamar Jackson and right now him saying that there was no guarantee that Lamar would be back I think is his way of trying to to minimize the situation in Baltimore and not make it look as if um things are all said and done maybe um maybe other teams will contact Lamar uh, not thinking that he's going to be there and he can get more money from Baltimore. Maybe this is Odell Beckham helping his his future quarterback get more money from the Baltimore Ravens. But to me, I, I don't think, at least if I'm Odell Beckham, I'm not going to Baltimore if Lamar's not there. There are so many other places he could have gone on a one-year deal, maybe less money, probably more than likely less money, but a one-year deal, there's a bunch of other places I'd rather go than Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. I have a question. I want to throw this out. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, phenomenal quarterback, MVP, former MVP, uh, last year, 2,242 yards in passing. That's about 187 yards a game, uh, 62% completion rate, 17 TDs with a 91 uh, QB rating. Now, um, I want to ask this question in comparison, apples to apples. Um, if you're on a one-year deal and you're old Dan Be- Beckham, 
where would you i'm saying you say you're odell Beckham. i'm odell Beckham. got it you're odell Beckham, and where would you then say you're going to go baltimore or would you choose the cowboys which quarterback do you Mm. feel would be the one that would be best suited for you to be able to secure the bag beyond what this year uh, uh, is to prove myself to get the bag. I am I guaranteed Lamar's in Baltimore? Like, is it is it Lamar and versus uh, Dak? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. Lamar's back in Baltimore. I'm I'm choosing yeah. Baltimore because if you go to Dallas, you are the number three receiver, three, four, number three, four, four behind a tight end. Number yeah. five behind Tony Pollard coming out of the backfield, like you're you're not the guy in Baltimore. That's you. That's all you. Mm-hmm. They're running backs. J.K. Dobbins can catch the ball in the backfield. He's pretty pretty proficient at that. But for the most part, if their running backs are touching the ball, it's them running the ball. They're not really catching it out of the backfield all that much. They're not throwing it to them all that much. You are the number one guy if you're if I'm Odell Beckham going to Baltimore, and that's what I want because that one year deal. I've got to catch a lot of passes. I've got to get a lot of yards. I've got to get a decent amount of touchdowns to prove to people that even though I took a year off from football, that I'm still good. I'm still one of the best receivers in the league, and I can help your team, you know, make it to the playoffs, possibly even win a Super Bowl. And and for you to spend that much money on me, that's the reason that you're going to sign me. I'm going to go to Baltimore to prove that I can be a number one receiver because if you go to Dallas and you can prove that you can be a number five receiver and catch – you know, 26 passes for 200 yards or something like that, then everybody's going to look at you as, okay, well, he's still a wide receiver. I guess we'll give him a one-year deal for for $10 million. Like, you're not going to get that big money contract that you want. Yeah, so you have to go show and prove that you're the number one guy. And this is why I think it's even more imperative that uh, Eric DaCosta, um, you know, in some form or fashion is massaging this relationship um, because the unknowing, I I don't think Beckham – could make that decision. I think uh, being that they're friends, it's, it's a conversation. I think it's a conversation that's had. I think it's, you know, look, I know you, I know how you feel, man. I've been there. This is how they talking about me. Let's go prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like that's kind of the way that it would operate behind the scenes. And here's why Nelson Aguilar to me used to be really strong. I think he's very much of like a possession type of receiver at this point in his career. Um, you got Rashad Bateman. He's a stretch guy. He's going to be able to take the tops off a little bit. Still got some good speed uh, on him. And then you've got Andrews, great red zone guy, uh, great guy to be able to catch TD passes, you know, and, and alleviate some of that pressure. So you find with your skill set, you're in the middle of what both of those guys do. I think Odell used to be able to take the top off. Just don't know if he still has that mm-hmm. with the injuries because we just haven't seen him yet lately. Yeah, I, I I don't know if that's going to be what they're going to ask him to do. I think that'll be more of a, a um, Rashad thing. But I, I feel as if Odell has turned himself into you know he was always a pretty solid route runner, great great hands, great great ability to catch the ball. I think he's turned himself into a really solid possession receiver with a chance to break some tackles and you know, be that big play guy. He's not going to, like you said, take the top off a of defense. You're not going to ask him to to run a nine route, outrun the corner, outrun the safety, catch a deep pass, and just keep going. He'll run a couple slants. He'll run some, you know, slant and goes. He'll, he'll hit him with a double move because he's, he's a solid route runner and uh, get himself open and make some plays after the catch, get you first downs, do this, do that. He's going to be the number one receiver for them. I, I really don't have any, you know, if ands, or buts about that. Mark Andrews will probably be the number one target but Odell will be the number one receiver just because of, you know, 
what he's shown you when he was with New York and what he showed you in the little bit of time that he was able to play for L.A., I even after a year off, as long as he's kept himself in decent enough shape, he'll get back into it in that uh, during these uh, during these workout periods, and and I think we're going to get a pretty good showing from Odell again if Lamar's there, because I don't yeah, yeah. I I don't know who Baltimore even even looks at at quarterback because you know you can say and this is true Tyler Huntley was a Pro Bowler. Tyler Huntley had like one or two touchdown passes and was in the Pro Bowl, though. Like that's not that doesn't count in my mind. That does that doesn't really count. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Tyler Huntley, but he's not. He is not one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely, yeah. And so let's go ahead and make a shift right now and move to the top tiers of the football realm, Uh which is the ownership part of it. Uh Uh, We've getting off the field. We're dealing, we're dealing with players. We're dealing with GMs. Let's move above them. And let's talk about uh, uh, the sales and, and the big breaking record sale, potentially um, the most expensive sports purchase in U S history. It is very surprising because you know, it was mired. Dan Snyder has been mired in scandal. I mean, since going back into the late nineties, Oh yeah, you know, all the way up until now. And now uh, he's the obtainer <laughs> of one of the biggest uh, uh, reported sales of uh, to a uh, hedge fund manager, Josh Harris for a staggering, uh, <laughs> a huge number of $6 billion dollars. Um, being the most, uh, ba- basically being the record of the most expensive sports team sale in U.S. history. Uh, what's your thought about that? Because being that somebody, you know, in normal situations, Rico, mm-hmm. and you guys can always tap in, 402-464-5685, in normal situations, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're the CEO. I don't care if you're a manager of a company or you're you're the manager of a, a section. Anybody that's been mired in scandal of any sorts or, or fashion, normally gets canceled and normally the value of whatever that is their salary the value of their job or the value of their situation usually goes down Mm -hmm. but dan snyder has been able to secure the biggest record-breaking sale in u.s history at six billion dollars is it fair no of course it's not fair he should have he should have lost the team years ago. He should have been forced to sell it or or you know kicked out or forced out of, of ownership years ago but the problem is You've seen in the news. This isn't any any uh, any breaking news or anything. He's got dirt on everyone. He's got dirt on the commissioner. Mm-hmm. He's got dirt on other owners. They couldn't force him out because as bad as he is, as bad as his public image is, he's got the private receipts from everybody else in the league. So they weren't able to force him out. Finally, things just got too hairy for him. So he sells for six billion dollars. And that you want? Do you know how much he bought Washington for back in nineteen ninety nine? It had to be like 180 million or something like that. 800 million dollars. 800 million, That's which crazy. is a lot of money. But he just sold them for six billion with a B dollars. He turned an Huge. 800 million dollar investment. You know, mired himself in scandals and controversy year after year. And as you said, normally that should plummet. That should tank everything that you've worked for, and turned it into six billion dollars where he can just walk away now and right off into the sunset because I don't see him getting in trouble for any of the stuff that he did because again, he's got dirt on everybody. So it's ridiculous, but that's kind of what happens when you have enough money. And in terms of, of, you know, that being a record breaker, 
Washington's also a pretty historic franchise, so that yeah. definitely went into it. And I wonder if Dan Snyder wasn't such a terrible person, allegedly, would he have gotten more money for the mm. Washington franchise? Wow. That's something to consider. But here's the crazy thing about that. Being a very storied franchise with a lot of history, uh, not much in the in the present time of of our of our era to include the Dallas Cowboys. If you could say that the Washington Commanders went for six billion, how much could you imagine like the Cowboys is worth right now? How much could Jerry, Jerry Jones investment? How much could Jerry Jones you know sell the Cowboys for? Yeah. I mean, just uh. just imagine. Just imagine if the Washington Commanders changed their name from the Redskins, have now become a $6 billion franchise. Just imagine what it would be to uh, land the uh, Cowboys at this point, or even like New England, or, you know, after what New England's been able to do. Mm -hmm. But this is crazy. We know that the NFL is How much NFL does Pittsburgh sell for? Huh? How much does Pittsburgh sell oh, for? Oh, Pittsburgh. Exactly. <laughs> That's another one, right? But then, but 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 NFL is king. Denver went for four point six billion, uh, so it surpassed that. Uh, next in line uh, for the most highest purchase was the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury at four billion. Uh, the Mets at two point four billion. Brooklyn Nets at two point three five billion. Carolina Panthers at two point two seven five. Now here's the one that's interesting to me: the Houston Rockets Rockets went for two point two billion. So you know at this point Mark Cuban's hit a mint. You know he's already he's already won on what he's done. Oh yeah. Um but here's the thing. Knowing that this franchise has this kind of value, does this put them in line to possibly land Wimbenyamba? Houston? Interesting. Interesting thought. I mean, you've got a high value, you got a high value team, mm -hmm. you know, at this point I think it's either going to be a scandal it's going to be something similar to like what happened. I think something similar to what happened with Orlando. Remember when Orlando was able to land it two years in a row? You're oh, like, yeah. wait a minute. That should Where not have happened. Where did this come from? It's magic. I think, something, I think something's going to happen. I don't know. But other than that, I would say it would be a bad move for him to go to uh, Orlando at this specific point. Because I'm not Orlando, but Houston. I think, yeah. I think Houston right now is just a bad franchise. It's a bunch of AAU young bucks. Young Bucks running around just shooting and not playing any defense. They don't even have don't a they don't have care. a coach right now. They they and you you heard yeah. it from their coach. He had a mental he had a breakdown after one of the games because yeah. he thought that nobody was listening to him. He didn't think he's like you know it's one of those you know kind of making a joke you know South Park or, or whatever that movie. How do I reach these kids? Like he was just yeah. he was just in a in a in a bad place because nobody was listening to him. And that's kind of what you've got right now when you when you're a team like Houston and you're so bad for so long. For whatever reason, you don't sign vets and you just keep drafting. You just keep drafting all these young guys. Man. I mean, where's the leadership? Where's the veteran leadership yeah. to tell these guys, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe we should be doing this. Maybe we should, you know, listen to our coach and run the plays that he has, that he's, you know, uh, worked so hard to get set up for us. Maybe we should, um, you know, and it's not they weren't trying to win a game, but maybe we should try a little bit harder and not, you know, be out here with the worst record in the league and talk to the media saying, yeah, we always get up for the matchups against the Lakers. Like, no, you should get up for every matchup, dude. This is not Absolutely. this isn't this isn't a we just get up for a LeBron James. You need to get up for everybody because you are the worst team in the league. You need to figure something out. Getting Wembenyama is not going to help that because he is a fantastic talent and it would go to waste in Houston. I agree. I agree. There is no got way. With those young group. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no way anybody he got down with Jalen Green and those guys, Rico, Jalen Green and those guys. 
I mean, they're 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 a walking time bomb of just dysfunction already. And then to enter him into that culture, I just think it would be a bad look. I would love to see him get with a nice veteran squad, allow him to be able to do his thing and be able to progress and grow. Mm -hmm. Um, Where could that be? We still yet to know. Um, Rico, last thing before um, we get out of here. It's been going back and forth, back and forth. It's going Bryce Young. It's going CJ Stroud. In your eyes, um, as we continue to narrow down before we go to break, Mm -hmm. how do you see it? Um, as far as the, uh, the the number one quarterback coming out? I've said it for weeks now. I would take C.J. Stroud if I'm Charlotte. If I'm Charlotte and I don't want to trade the pick away, which I don't think they will, and I want to take a quarterback, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. Because I think, even though I make fun of him and say he's a career loser because he never won a national title or a Heisman or beat Michigan in his time at Ohio State, he's a fantastic player, did nothing but win aside from those three things at Ohio State. And I think the size of Bryce Young is just a little scary. I know we've seen smaller quarterbacks have success in the NFL, but in terms of being a bad team and not having the greatest of offensive lines and having a a limited amount of weapons, I think C.J. Stroud, with his bigger body, will be able to absorb more of those blows. And I like his arm tell a little bit more than Bryce Young's, and I think that he'll he'll be a very solid pickup for them. Unfortunately, that would mean that Bryce ends up in Houston, which is not a much better spot because also a terrible offensive line and not great weapons around him. Wherever Bryce ends up is they're going to get better, obviously, at that spot, but they're going to need to surround him with talent because it could be another one of those, and I I hate using this example, but it could be another one of those uh, Alabama quarterbacks outside of the last two who enter the league and were surrounded by all of this talent at Alabama. They get to the league. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work out because they're not clearly their team isn't clearly better than everyone else. Well, one of the things that I've noticed um, and, and, and here's where I'll push back a little bit on what you said. I agree with you. I think, you know, as you go down the history of what Alabama is and you looked at their quarterbacks and when they made the step to the next level, you just saw it just it just didn't have the same spark. It didn't have the same uh, fire that they had when they were there on campus down there in Alabama. Now I think you're seeing Georgia kind of starting to follow that same model, not really good quarterbacks, quarterbacks just don't make a lot of mistakes. Now they're in search of those good top tier type quarterbacks. Um, We'll tap in on that a little bit because uh, it's word out there that Dylan, uh, Dylan Raiola may be looking to make another move. And it looks like Georgia may be the mix, but that's the case um, before we get out. I think Bryce um, is a winner. And the reason I think he's a winner is when he didn't have the same talent, when he lost Michi and he, um, I can't remember who the other one was, when he lost him in the, in the championship game. Oh, in the championship no. game. No. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Or no. Uh, Harrison no. Jr. No, that not not Ohio State. Uh, oh, Bryce? Michi. Bryce. Okay, in, when in he the, lost. In the he lost both of his top, yeah. top court. One, both of them were injured. And I know one of them was Michi, but I can't remember the other one. And he lost both of them, but yet he still was able to almost pull it out without superior um, wide receivers to work with. That showed me that he has a winning pedigree about him. So that's kind of why I'll push a little bit back from. But definitely want to talk about this um, uh, Dylan Riola situation at some point in time. We got T. Buchanan that's going to join us. Talk a little bit about Husker basketball what his thoughts are and what the needs are for the future, being a former point guard, what they should be looking at, and how can they land maybe Silas, maybe Latrell Rysell Jr., maybe both. 
We'll come back right after this. 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com on the block. Peace. Mm-hmm.